All right, inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I believe we're number six today. Is and mic working? Yeah, it's working. Let me hello, get, hello. Let me get to your intro. Uh, as you can tell, I have a female on the couch, and uh, she is someone I have uh, not known for a very long time. Actually, we don't know each other at all. We met at the comedy store. During roast battle, of course, all roads lead back to roast battle for me. That's like the show's a cockroach to me. I can't get away from it. Uh, but she's a very cool girl. She's a comedy fan. She does comedy. She's, uh, you know, looks wise, uh, you would think, wow, this girl's got to be dumb as a brick because she's got a, you know, she's a very uh, beautiful woman, but she's actually got degrees and selling shows to Netflix and Comedy Central. So she is like the uh antithesis of a bimbo uh because you can be a pretty girl but you can also have shit going on so put your hands together for noel leon is it okay if i clap for myself and then <laughs> yeah just make sure the mic's by your face it's as if no one's clapping but that's the whole concept right yeah it's how, well you're on facebook live but you know, uh, okay, okay. Uh, we're also uh you know on uh itunes and all that shit so all right uh, so you're gonna sit over there and i'm gonna sit over here yeah I mean, that's how it works. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. All right. How you doing? I'm good. I mean. And not I, to you, to your fans. How you oh, doing? Oh, yeah. They're good. I mean. The, how the, you doing? The room's already blowing up. We've got more. Uh, <laughs> He's like, there's one person watching, so. But it's, this is proof positive. You get a hot chick on your podcast. It's just like. I'm in a Facebook live in a second, but I ordered sushi. So that's more important right now. Yeah. We're going to have to, <laughs> when the sushi comes, we're going to have to cut the Facebook live podcast. Uh, no, I love, I love what you just said. Cause it's actually funny not to rant about feminism. Cause I honestly, I'm the, that type of girl. I have brothers. So whenever people are like, Oh, the women's movement, like go March and me too. I'm like the person that is vehemently opposed to the me too movement. I feel like all those girls suck those guys dicks and then like complain about a job. And I hate going on women's marches. Right. So I think it's over the top. Right. Cause all my friends are guys. I have brothers. I'm get along with guys more than girls, but like, then again, I'll go to a bar at Soho House and someone will be like, oh, my God, she's actually smart. And it's kind of insulting to me because it's like, all right, there is a little bit of a stereotype. But at the same time, all my friends are guys. So, I you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm weird about the whole women feminist thing that's going on right now. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. And this goes to show you first impressions. You know, you, you don't judge a book by its cover. My first uh interaction with you was when you were up at roast battle the night i was uh, oh yeah with Chappelle. and you like ripped the mic from his hand and oh i was wasted you tried to uh i don't know get some chant going and it, it didn't you, you didn't really <laughs> do that well that night to be I honest bombed. With you. you did bomb uh, i literally bombed but that was the first time i ever bombed and you know what i bombed i bombed <laughs> you did no, but you know what i've been doing comedy 20 years i still bomb every now and then yeah you've been doing it a year no, I told you about this earlier before we started doing this. I self-sabotaged. So when I knew Chappelle was coming, I got wasted by accident. Well, <laughs> on purpose. Because I was so nervous that I that I was like, oh, if I take a couple more shots, I'll feel better. Had I not done that, I would have been really funny from experience. But that night, and then, but you know what? Chappelle and I are friends now, and he's really cool as fuck. And, and he's seen me go on other times. But that night... I was so nervous and I don't know if any guys or girls, it's not like a sexist thing, but you know, when you just 
like have an idol and you like have to like perform for them and you like get all neurotic about it i was like oh my god nothing i'm gonna say tonight is gonna be funny <laughs> well i mean he is the most uh he's the fucking legend <laughs> I mean, he's probably him and joe rogan or probably and bill burr probably, and bill burr and uh, mark maron uh you know they're all comedy store people so i think my favorite of all time is the tonight show no, the first was Jerry Lewis, not the Tonight Show. Jerry Lewis sketches are my okay. old time favorite when he was answering all the telephones in that one sketch. Remember when you played that a butler guy? I don't, but like this is like a black and white old school, and also uh the the old uh what's the fuck? It, what, sorry, I forget his name, but that Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. That's Thank the you. OG. That's no. the OG. Johnny Carson and Jerry Lewis are my two all time favorites. So yeah, I mean, you know, I sit there and I'm like, I'm not Jerry Lewis, I'm not Jenny Carson, I'm not Chris Lee, fuck, I gotta go wasted 12 shots. And I'm like, Dave Chappelle, give me your fucking, I got, and he's like, uh, and everyone in the room was like, uh, what the fuck is she doing? But you have a massive fan base. Like how many followers on Instagram do you have? Uh, I have a million on Instagram and two million on YouTube, but you know, I got that in five months because I, I, um, decided to make started making fun of myself i kind of was growing up with my master's degree at ucla you know smart but like seemingly unintelligent and i was like i'm gonna make fun of myself this is fun actually like my valley girl accent which isn't as bad now because i lived in new york for a little bit but i used to be like ah, ha, 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 you know and all these people would be like you're dumb as shit and i was like you know what I'm going to make fun of this archetype and it did well. So no one realizes my sketches are a spoof on my own archetype, but they got like 5 million views each. So it's like, fuck it. Why not make fun of yourself? And you might as well. Where can people, do you have like a YouTube? Uh, what's, is this just your name on YouTube? Yeah. Noelle on Insta on you. Noelle on YouTube and Noelle on Insta on Instagram. I mean, have you ever made a fun of yourself? Like, have you ever had a situation where you were so like, fuck it when you were younger? Yeah, but the difference between you and me is I get like, uh, maybe on Instagram, I'm happy if I get 100 likes. Like 100 likes to me, it's like, oh my God. And you get like, I've, I went, I tried to do a little research on you because I, I really don't know a lot about you. And I was like, my God, every picture is like 100,000 likes. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, how do you go from like relative anonymity to 1 million followers on Instagram. I mean, I've been on Instagram for like two years. I have under 7,000 followers. Yeah. I mean, it's different for a girl to be, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Please. I didn't appreciate it really when it was at its height last year. So I um, went from zero followers. I had like 150 followers a year and a half ago to a million in five months. And I was getting five four to five million views per video on Instagram and 15 million views on YouTube in that short period of time. But I didn't appreciate it. Right. Cause I was very self-conscious. And then I stopped and I did my Netflix show that I sold and all this other shit with writing. And I was like, I'll come back to it. But now the algorithms changed. So I still get like a million views on most of my videos, but it's not at that four or 5 million, 15 million mark as before. Uh, cause the algorithms constantly change on Instagram. But the point of the story is that even when you're in it, if you're like an intelligent, retarded freak, like I am, like everything can be going well, but I'll still look at those like 10 comments and I'll be like, this fucking sucks. So I never really appreciated 
the scope of the impact. And even recently, I started appreciating how many people I, I can impact. So my goal has been to influence my generation in a positive way, which I'm doing through my Huffington Post articles and this company I have equity in called Vocal Magazine to kind of educate my population on the impact of social media in our society. So I'm, I'm getting like... I'm getting focused now as before I was like 10 comments that are negative. I'm going to cry in my bathroom. And now I'm just like, let's make a positive impact impact on society and use my following for a positive cause. Whereas before I was just using it selfishly, cathartically to make fun of myself for my experiences. You know, do you look at the comments on uh, Instagram or Twitter or your YouTube videos? And I'm sure some of the guys on there are pretty inappropriate with does that bother you at all no not at all i don't give a shit i have brothers i don't like i don't know i'm friends with Brett ratner and russell simmons and all these pervs but they're not privy to me because you know what i don't give a shit like i'm i that does not offend me those comments really not at all i'm more self-deprecating than they could ever be in their sexual aspects and in fact i think it's positive i'm like oh someone thinks i'm hot i'm not gonna fuck them but i'm like thank you for the compliment (laughs) see that guys when you go i know you guys are probably on her instagram page right now a dick pic is well welcomed i made a dick collage i have the best dick pic in the business i'm not gonna show it to you (laughs) no it's it's really curated and very well it's legendary at the the comedy store (laughs) i'm not gonna show it to you but like at the comedy store even well that's the only place i've showed i've shown david spade i've shown uh, okay i'll ask him about it well he probably wouldn't remember but like i showed uh, four black guys showed the whole audience the other night i pass it around the you know whatever it takes to get a laugh (laughs) that's how i feel you will learn that the more you do stand up, <laughs> whatever, if it takes a tight top, uh, what, whatever, yeah, you know, self-deprecating. No panties Mondays. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, do you find it hard when you uh, go on stage? How do you dress? Because you obviously have a great body. I mean, usually, to be honest. Do you show it or do you hide it? No, like the last week I've been showing it because I'm feeling very insecure because I quit smoking. So I've been kind of out of shape this week. I've been like, oh, I need to like show off my assets because I feel really out of shape. But before that, I was like, fuck, I'm going to wear jeans and a t-shirt at the comedy store. I mean, and everyone's like, oh, you're such a lesbian. But you know what? I like, I love playing with archetypes. Like my dad's stereotypes stereotypes and archetypes of society. Like I grew up, my dad's a psychology professor at UC Berkeley. And I grew up staying young and Nietzsche. So like when I was seven, I had this quote in my mind, God is dead, you know? And Freudian psychology fascinates me. So I, from a young age, I just loved like playing with conventional norms and I went to an all Catholic school. So I felt like I didn't like, I don't know. I got, I got a very lucky position in life to kind of play around with weird psychological shit. And I feel like even to this day, I don't really give a shit what people think. And if they think something of me, I like to play on that, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, uh, well, that's a good attitude to have when you're, uh, going to be, uh, either gawked at cause you're attractive or, uh, you know, people are going to hate on you. Yeah. Uh, but you know, how old are you? You're 50? I'll be 50 in sept- September 17th. My dad's birthday is September 14th. I don't follow, follow astrology, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> well, I mean, Virgos are very uh, anal, neat freaks. Uh, I'm I'm judging you right now looking at your partner. Now you seem pretty organized. I mean, I'm relative. Yeah, we're very organized. I've I've gone to, I usually go up with girls like 99.9% of the time. But I went to one guy's house and I worked up with him. But 
I remember looking in his apartment. I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> it was so messy. <laughs> well. He was like, sorry, excuse the mess. I'm like, <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> now, who are your, uh, you, you love Jerry Lewis and Johnny Carson, but do you have a style of stand-up you're trying to emulate? Like, is there stand-up, like a, a female stand-up you like uh, dig? No. Listen, whenever I try to copy people, it doesn't go very well for me. Well, I don't mean copy, but like for me, I'm influenced by Stephen Wright, yeah. Robert Schimmel. Robert uh, Schimmel. Uh, you know, uh, Rest in Peace, uh, Mitch Hedberg, uh, you know, Jeff Ross. Yeah. Don Rickles. Don Rickles, yes. Uh, so I don't try and copy them. But I I'm, don't. Honestly, the okay the only reason why i started doing stand-up was because and this sounds really self-deprecating which don't think i'm giving a sob story but my whole life i skipped kindergarten and first grade because i was like tested out of it right so i was like two years younger than everyone growing up in school so i was like picked on my whole life like people used to make fun of me girls at this pretentious all-girls catholic school and like i started making fun of myself as like a coping mechanism because my voice i used to talk like ha. <laughs> Oh my God, really? You know what I mean? And and so I I started making fun of myself and then I got really into politics. So I guess when I go on, and then I'm a lesbian mainly. So like when I go on stage, I don't like tap into that lesbian cliche or like political shit, but like I love making fun of myself just off my experience. If I were to compare myself the most to be Sarah Silverman because I don't have a sort of like reference, I don't have a sort of filter where she doesn't. She's like, oh, I shit my pants into that. You know, that's how I am. I like my Instagram video, Instagram getting deleted for a day, got like 6 million views. And it was me talk. It was me doing a sketch on like the world ending. If I don't, if, if I take a photo in the forest, it doesn't even exist. Right. You know, that was the whole concept of the sketch. And that's how I relate to my life because I'm able to see how retarded I am, but then make fun of it, you know? And that's what I do. I love just making fun of myself. And also girls in LA are fucking stupid. No offense to girls in LA, but they just, they don't get the concept of like bigger issues going on in the world. And if you can make fun of it, maybe it'll draw light on it in some sense. So I don't know. My comedy is most comparable to the irreverence of Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer, but I'm not as good as them by far. So don't, don't quote me on that. I'm You've like, Amy been... Schumer, Sarah Silverman, bring it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You've only been doing it for a year, but more yeah. or less. No, I've been sitting at the comedy store in the back since I was like 17. You, so you've been learning, but you've been the actual uh, art of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to go on stage with Amy Schumer and Jeff Ross, so on Bumping Mics in New York and David Tell and, and Roast Battle. Yeah, I've gotten to go on with two huge people, but I'm like a, like, like, I feel like, uh, you know, when you have a wedgie and it's like tied up your butt and you're like, fuck, I got to pull it out. Like, that's how uncomfortable I feel during my cinema. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I like, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't get a lot of that's wedgies. That's the essence of my comedy stand-up situation right now. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I mean, uh, you know, whatever gets you uh, the yeah. laughs. No, you're funnier than I am. Hello, Earl. Why? Well, I, I would hope I'm funnier than you are. You know, 20 years in versus one year. You know. I, Have you heard Jerry Seinfeld's quote on uh, on comedians and cars? What, no, what did he say? He's like, he had this narcissistic quote, which I will quote right now. He said, yeah, you can't learn it no matter how long you do it. It's just you're born with it. I believe that. Do you believe that? There's a 
class in Michigan. There's this Michigan community college that teaches a course you can get for like $15,000. Actually, you can get your master's program in this university on stand-up comedy. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can uh, learn to be funny. You either are or you're not. And uh, you can get better by doing it. But it's like, uh, just to give you an example, I even though I have a great body. Yeah, no, I'm I'm like really distracted right now. I have a, see, get that girls, all the girls who <laughs> left me, put that in your peace <laughs> pipe and smoke it. But like, I can't jump very high. It just, it's not. What do in, you mean? It's not in the cards. Metaphorically? I can't, no, I can't. Like physically? I have no vertical leap. What the fuck is that useful for? Here's the point, here's the <laughs> only reason for slam dunking a basketball. Oh, okay, got it. So if I took a class on how to slam dunk a basketball, yeah. it would be useless. Yeah. Because I can't do it. Yeah. I have no natural ability. Yeah. It's the same thing with comedy. If you have no natural ability to be funny. How did you, wait, can I, can we switch the flip the deck? How does you say it? Flip the card. Flip the switch. Flip the fucking switch right now. And uh, how did you get into comedy? Well, I used to... Uh, the group of friends that I uh, hung out with before I did comedy, they were all agents and managers at ICM, William Morris, you know. Uh, so you just had a lot of like really important friends. We, but they were like, Earl, you're funnier than any of our clients. And they had huge clients. And you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, well, you know, I was on, <laughs> I was on, uh, I'd never done it before, but I'm like, oh, okay. And they were like, well, just get into it. We'll help you. And then I got into it and they all left the business. So. And then who the fuck helped you after that? You know, it t took me probably 10 years on my own to figure it out. And then another 10 years, it took me another three years to get on TV, thanks to Roast Battle. And uh, See, all I had was my mom. It was very not helpful. She's like, well, you can do anything you want. Like, my mom's just like Italian, Catholic. My dad's Jewish, Italian. My mom's like, Noel, I love you. Are you okay? You can do anything you want. Like, she's like, you're brilliant. You know, she's one of those moms that just like overhypes you up. That, so when you get into the real world, you don't really know what's real or fake. You like, you think you can be the president and one's fail swoop. Like, she's just like, you're a genius. You can do whatever you want. You're so, you know what I mean? Right. And I'm just like, uh, mom, you didn't really prep me for the world. It's not like this. She's like, but I love you. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like, I feel like that's the only reason I have my confidence is because when I was a kid, she's like, you're the funniest per I'm like, oh my God, mom. Yeah, but you have an inner confidence just knowing that you're one of the better looking chicks in the room. I don't think that's what it's from because... It is I though to a degree. Trust me, you know deep down, you might not admit this because you're not a complete yeah. twat, but you know when you go up to the comedy store tonight, you're probably going to be the best looking girl there. Do you, you know Do you know why I think it's from? I, I honestly, you're a hockey player, right? Well, I mean, you grew up playing recreationally. Sports, though. Did you play sports growing up? Uh, I was dominant in grade school because I've literally been the same size since the fourth grade. Oh my God, you're lucky. Uh, but when I got to high school and I'd never seen kids. How might. genetically blessed are you? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Very. I should just show you my dick pic live. Right now. It just, you know, it'd be funny. People would dig it. It would change the tone of the rest of the episode for sure. Trust me, it would. No, um, no but like. Cause we're back to me. No, I'm kidding. Well, yeah. I um, I went to an all girls Catholic school where I never had sex with a guy. There was no, and I was two years younger than everyone, but I was the number one on my track team since like sixth grade. I ran a five, 16 minute mile and even faster after in college. And I got my confidence, not from looks. Cause there was no guys I was hooking up with. I didn't, 
and it's it was from grades and sports i was i qualified for the olympics for figure skating i lived in japan and canada for worlds competing with michelle kwan's coach honestly my only confidence this day comes from my ability to ice skate and i know that sounds fucked to say but like i used to say when i was a little kid if i could die on the ice i would be happy like that that is where i feel the most confident and i get my i derive my confidence in life from that does that make sense well, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Know. It's like this cathartic release, like art for some people, you know? I mean, how many people can say they qualified for the Olympics? Yeah, but it's like more th- since I was two years old, I always got bullied and I had my parents got divorced, like and I had a really tumultuous childhood. And so I was like, you know what? Skating is my zen. And to this day, like no matter what happens, if I fail a pitch or fail a Netflix thing, like existentially, like at the ice, it's like almost it's all universe where I can just zen out and i think that's where i get my confidence is because i know that whatever happens i can go back on the ice and just vibe out you know now is it hard when you go into these pitch meetings where it's primarily male executives uh i'm sure there's a few female uh but like it's probably 80 percent male the executives and okay i'm gonna say something but hold on like do do you find they don't take you seriously because oh this girl's hot she's got big tits uh this is gonna be horrible no i'm gonna okay i'm gonna say something also that's gonna piss a lot of women off and i feel like most people that listen to this like podcast and be like okay this girl's fucking boring now but my dad i'm really close with my dad like he's a professor at berkeley and i don't know why but i'm just really close to him more than my mom and like so I feel like because of that, like I got a lot of father figure-esque people. So the execs at Comedy Central and Netflix, I was able to see them as like that sort of thing. So I don't know why, but I like feel like I don't see these people as like pervs. I see them as like father figures and I believe in energy, like what energy you predict comes back to you. So a lot of girls with bad issues growing up, especially in LA with the stereotypes, the archetypes, you know, these girls from Idaho or Iowa that moved to fucking LA, they were the number one prom queens at their high school, but they didn't have good father figures. And they come here seeking some sort of validation. I had that growing up and I came here for figure skating, not for entertainment. And I'm, I project a positive vibe onto these execs I meet and I get that back. And I know that's like very bad to say and a lot of girls will hate me for this, but every exec I've met, I've never seen them as, oh, this guy's going to just like me for my tips. I've seen them as, I want to hear what you have to say. I think you're really fucking smart and I think you'll respect me back because that's what I've gotten growing up. That's the example I've gotten. So I've like developed amazing relationships with all these like father-esque figures in really high positions because subconsciously I got that from my father. So I'm able to establish these like very mentor type situations. Okay. We can psychoanalyze and say this isn't very funny, but no, it's, it's not about, listen, let me, and this is a big mistake. People yeah. think on podcast, you're supposed to be funny. Yeah. This is not a stand up podcast. Yeah. Okay. Good. So but I I'm want, bummed. No. I want to know what it's like to be a hot chick navigating the world of this business. I just put water. No, I, I feel like my dad really helped me in life. To be honest, I would not be anywhere I was today without him. And, uh, he's given me a good relationship with guys and a good relationship with mentors. And I respect him. And luckily because of that, I project that onto people I meet that are in high positions and they were able to have intelligent conversations. And I, even though I might dress a certain way, I still, I'm not expecting something inappropriate, which I feel like a lot of girls have issues from their childhoods that come here and seek validation through sexual, you know what I mean? 
And I don't, and it's like kind of walking cliche because yes, I dress a certain way, but yet I still don't have daddy issues. So I'm able to like relate to them on a certain level that, that luckily is from my dad. Honestly, I don't, I feel like it's all about your subconscious psychological programming. Well, I think the problem, a lot of girls uh, who come to LA from, you know, like you said, Idaho and Iowa and, uh, you know, Minnesota and and Canada and, and wherever else is they were the hottest chick in their town. They got everything exactly through their looks and they could manipulate whoever to get what they want. Exactly. And they come out here and it's shell shock because there's a hundred girls who look like them. Exactly. So now they're not the hot chick anymore. No. I mean, they are, but now there's a hundred of them. Yeah, exactly. So, and they have daddy issues maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you, you are a rare person. And their moms were like the pageant queens. But I grew up in the opposite environment. I went to an all girls Catholic school and I remember not to like flush back to high school, but I remember like Please. our, my, like, I thank God for my high school. Cause it was so competitive as shit. Like my principal was this Catholic fucking nun at St. Francis. And she's like, and the real world is going to be really hard. And you have to like, you know, and, and we were raised to believe that we could become president, but yet it was competitive as shit. And my AP honors, honors classes and like it was never like I was one of a million hot chicks at my all girls Catholic school and it was never like you're going to be handed anything like you have to work your fucking ass off and my family are Italian immigrants so my grandpa always used to preach to me because he came here with 10 cents and I was a millionaire he's like I came when I was 17 I was cut off and I had to pay for my own skating I had a waitressing job for six years for like eight dollars an hour and made no money before I sold my show I had twenty dollars in my bank account so like my grandpa used to say like I came here with 10 cents and now I'm a millionaire like what the fuck are you doing and in my Catholic school, it was all girls. It was like, oh, you're going to, you know, you got to become president, not just a fucking prom queen. You know what I mean? Like, and it was all girls competing for each other. And we were all rich as shit. Like, not me, but like, everyone I went to school with drew fucking, drove fucking like Porsches. And we were expected to like take over the world because it was this privileged all girls Catholic school in San Francisco. And we were, we were preached that we got great teachers, but I, it was very competitive. There was no guys there. It was very competitive. And I feel like that resonates with me today i don't see gender i just see i see um, results you know and so that's how i am i'm like an ocd freak with when it comes to work but at the same time i realize this the stigmas in society with women i think sadly a lot of those stigmas are perpetuated by women to be honest you, you mean know? like what stigmas are you referring to i mean a lot of women in the me too movement talk about how guys are all in the senate and ruth Gader ginsburg ginsburg documentary came out which i loved and i follow politics a lot and i feel like these women in society that have let pave the way for us right are far and few between not because there hasn't been opportunities right but because a lot of women are catty and insecure because of like subconscious Disney and upbringing and all this shit. And every single girl from my Catholic school is like an MIT grad is a neuroscientist. I went to a great school. We not in our public school system. We don't have that. It's like in our, and especially in our culture right now with social media, especially we're taught to look hot. We're taught to fawn our tits. We're taught. And that's what I did. Even myself, I got all my followers from doing sketches, which I've used as clickbait for my fucking boobs. You know, I did the same thing. So I'm a hypocrite, but I'm just saying like, it's, um, it's not the guy's fault. It's, it's, it's our fault in the fact that we don't, appreciate our own power because we don't have the we don't have the uh 
meant we don't we don't sit long enough in our age of like short attention spans to think about to analyze popular culture and what its effect are on us are. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, like guys, guys have male issues too in, in different respects, but yeah. Like what issues do you think guys have? Oh, well, my friend's doing this book right now. He's writing this book. He's a New York times bestseller. Actually, it's not out yet, but he, um, I read it, the rough copy and it was about gender stereotypes and male culture. And it was the masculinity effect. I think men have a lot of, you know, interpersonal issues with expressing their emotions but not everyone that's the thing that's the thing it's like in in our culture we overanalyze each gender and that's what gets us into issues right because trump versus another woman one of the other guy versus girl it's not going to be black or white but yet we see it that way just based on their gender you know now what do you think about these girls who uh like stormy daniels uh playmate i want to say mcdougall like they they got paid to, to be quiet. They had their fun time, but now they're like, oh, he's a pig. It's like, well. Well, this is the problem in popular culture is because I wrote about this in Huffington Post recently. It was 99.9% um, .9 of our hashtags are about twerking challenges, are about comedy spoofs. Even me, I got like 7 million views on my um, Logan Paul uh, mannequin challenge where I portrayed a slut. I just said they're like, you know, and it was. Um, Every sketch I've ever done was slutty, but making fun of it, if you're intelligent enough to see that. But only 1% of the hashtags are meaningful. The Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, right? So we pay attention to these people like Stormy Daniels, like fucking bad, bad Dr. Phil girl. But that's because that's what's all over our newsfeed every fucking day. If we had at least 40 or 30 or 20% of the trending hashtags as meaningful things from women or from, you know, any sort of subject really that we all paid attention to our society would grow as a whole and we wouldn't be so fucking dumb to, you know, to be honest and we wouldn't even know about stirring me down because we we'd be too distracted with some other elon musk situation or something that trended you know right. what's the last time you heard about a trending hashtag from like ai or like elon musk or something that got as many views as the nene challenge you know Sorry, this is, this podcast is not as you saw it going, but... No, I mean, like I said, I mean, uh, you know, obviously... It's true, though, right? What's something you are passionate about? Imagine if that, that hashtag trend. I wish it did. Uh, I don't like bullying. That, that, that's... Uh, bowling? Bullying, not oh. bowling. <laughs> He's like, fuck bowling. I have something really against yeah. bowling. Fuck uh, the Me Too movement. I'm really anti-bowling. No, bullying, <laughs> it's... Uh, I just, you know, I was bullied a little bit in grade school. Not that much. I could see that with the glasses. With the glasses. I had braces. Yeah, uh, I could My see hair them. was out of control. I'm fucking like, blowing you in my mind right now. I'm yeah. Uh, well, that's cool, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, well, that's not so cool. But, uh, y you know, I hate bullying, which is, you know, part of the reason I left Roast Battle, and it's part of the reason I did Roast I Battle. I think that's why a lot of people don't do Roast Battle, because I have those, like, subconscious flashbacks from, like, Bullet, being bullied my whole life growing up which no one would expect but i went to an all-girls school right so like this girl fucking got it all got it all handed to her right but my whole life i was bullied but when you go to roast battle earl don't you feel this like it's fucking flashbacks from when you were a bully don't you feel like i don't 
I, I mean, I, for me, I think it depends on who I was battling at the time. You know, uh. I, I tried to uh, <laughs> only battle my friends, uh, you know, but there was one case where it was, I, I found this person to be a bully. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you want to bully people? Try bullying me now. Because you so, feel confident now. I mean, now I'm like, oh, no one's bullying me. Uh, I'm the opposite. I'm still like insecure. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're 25. 27. Shh, don't tell anyone. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you're still uh, at a point where you, you might be affected by bullying. You yeah. know, someone says a nice tits or, yeah. you know. Uh, and then I go cry in the bathroom. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, are you kidding? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're dumb or whatever, because obviously you're not dumb because you're schooling. But no one knows about your schooling when they're just physically looking at you. So you get bullied, I'm sure. She's a whore. Well, you don't know who I slept with, or yeah, if anybody. Uh, She's a bitch or whatever. So uh, how does that? Like, how do you feel like in your comedy career? Like, I don't want to because you talked a lot just now about like all the women's situations that I face. What about you? How do you because I feel like guys have it equally difficult, but we don't you don't get as much advertisement and PR about it. You know, the women get to be like, oh, I'm objectified. And they use it as an excuse a lot. To be I mean, honest. I've been me too uh, several no. times. No, I'm not about me, but just in general, what have you what have you had to face going in this comedy situation? Well, I mean, it, it's uh, a lot of the exact. Executives, I've had uh, there's a, there's deal a with our gay, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so it's it, it's kind of hard to not talk about the Me Too thing, but because I think a lot of people don't realize that it happens to guys. I won't say as For much sure. as it does. I know. I think it's. I think not to interrupt, but I think that right now it's actually the best time for, such as a lesbian, like bisexual. But yeah. But you lean. Do you yeah, think yeah, yeah. your lesbianism or like you're you're skewing towards women versus guys? I date more girls than guys. But not- is it because you're? Because uh, the schools yeah, in which you were all girls. Yeah, because that's the first person I fucked. They're probably subconscious. Was a girl. Yeah. Okay. Probably subconscious programming. But um, no, I mean, listen. I feel like right now it's the best time for a Jewish lesbian as myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm killing it right now in the exec boardroom. I'm like, hello. You know what I mean? With the Me Too mode going on with everything else. They're like, okay, we need you in our lives right now. But for straight white guys, you know, they're not having it. So I have a lot of comedian friends that are just like, fuck, they need a ethnic looking uh, gay or lesbian or someone that's got something going on. Cause they, a lot of people are like going away from this. They're, it's the antithesis of what we used to expect. They're, they're shying away from what was previously like a, an ingrained situation of white guys dominating the television scene. Yeah. I mean, frankly, now I'm it's pr- hard to sell a show as yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably in all honesty in the worst category ever ever right now (laughs) older white dude older white dude that's what i'm saying and it's i'm not laughing at that because it's the first time i've ever sold a show it's the first time i'm ever doing this shit but i i've had friends that are just walking there like noel it's the hardest fucking time for us right now and i'm like it fucking is (laughs) well i mean it's just uh and i mean i'm like such a tweener uh, in terms of like, I'm not good looking enough to be like the leading man, but I'm not like completely a gargoyle either. So it's like, well, what do we do with him? He's, I mean, could he play the leading man? Or I mean, he can't play the ugly friend. Like, there, there's that's, like, but that plays on not to get too deep. But that plays in the whole archetype of a popular culture right now, which is what my whole goal in it is. All the shows I've written are to break down archetypes and culture stereotypes because I feel like we've 
programmed ourselves also to see these archetypes in popular media and everyone has to, actors have to fit in these certain roles and we watch those shows that's what we see growing up and that's what implements us in society that's what you know inspires our characters that we become is these popular culture archetypes that we see in like comedy shows on tv do you know what i mean and like there's no in-betweens and there's no like antithesis of the archetype like like that's what my show bad agents is about it's about making these girls that are smart that look dumb like we realize they're smart because they're so dumb they're so fucked up it's a charlie's angels parody that tony hinchcliffe is in all these actors from comedy star but they they look fucking dumb as shit they fuck up they fall and yet they're smart as shit and that's what's breaking. And we have all these characters, guys, girls, whatever, where we break down archetypes. And I want to see a show like that where every archetype you expect is the antithesis and right. putting in characters like you or other characters that don't have a place in popular culture. It's like, it's all these like, boom, boom, boom. Do you notice that? It's still to this day, like these categories of characters. And cause I, I used to, I got my master's degree in like analyzing pop culture and like writing and all that stuff in the media. And to this day, we still have like all these ingrained archetypes that we gravitate towards. Even in selling a show, you have to have like the the hunky guy, the girl, the love situation. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, like I like I loved uh, Sons of Anarchy, but oh, we have I think My her Postmates. Postmates is here, guys. That's a good time to cut off the uh, Facebook Live uh, portion of the show. So, uh, it's, uh, Noel, what's, what are you on Instagram for the fans? Listen, um, obviously, like, you don't want to tune into this podcast and it's fine. So, it's, it's Noel. Noel. Oh, N-O-E-L-E. N-O-E-L-E-O and I-N-S-P-A. So, yeah, swap over. Yeah, swap over. Uh, her food's here. Only if this is the first time in uh, inappropriate oral history that I've stopped a podcast uh, midway through because the uh, guest has ordered food. So uh, we're going to pause it here at the 38-minute mark, and we'll be back when Noelle has uh, filled her stomach with food. All right, Noelle has uh, ate her uh, food. I have what? Ate, you ate your food. You oh, got a yeah. nice beer. She's rifling through this my... This beer tastes like sriracha. No, well, that sounds yummy. It's uh, called tola Modelo Chilada. So a let's, special. Let's get back to the business of comedy. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's what, what people want to hear about. It is, though. I'm telling you, this isn't about being funny. Hey, guys, for six ninety nine, you can hear all about how to get followed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but... You know how many people would pay you six ninety nine? Well, right now? if I said PayPal Noel, okay, at, PayPal me at bookings.noelion at gmail dot com. Boom. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it, you know because and PayPal Earl at eskakel at aol dot com. Thank you. Support the cause. Uh, but and we'll give you our advice right now for free. <laughs> like I had a meeting the other day where the first question asked was how many followers. Oh my god! Twitter. Wait, thank you, Earl. Because hold on. Some of my favorite comics who don't have a big following are not selling shows right now. I sell a show because I have a million followers. I'm not fucking better than them. I just got a million followers. Yeah, but that's why people want to learn how you get like, like I have 6,700. I'll tell you how. And it's kind of a cock sucking situation, but. Well, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you suck someone's cock. I'm good on that. In the Illuminati. And then you make a pledge to the devil. And you got to cut your blood and then you got to rape a couple girls and kill a baby. 
Well, I've never uh, had to rape a girl. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. Uh, well, whatever. But like, uh, but I've heard through the grapevine that not just with Instagram, but Twitter and, and Facebook when it was hot, uh, you know, certainly MySpace back in the day, that there's just ways like to buy followers. But I, I want don't real buy followers. followers. I don't buy followers. No, I'm not saying you do. Yeah. But like, uh, how how does one organically get a million followers? Because you said yourself... Two years ago, you had like 700. No, I had no followers a year and a half ago. Actually, the only reason I got it was because I got a big paycheck from this app that I sold. Um, it was an app company. And uh, I was like, okay, I can take some time off work. Weren't you going to Instagram live this? Oh, yeah. Fine. Come on, get it together. Come on, Noel. get it fucking For together. For someone so smart. Hold you're, on. You're not PayPal marketing. me, guys, and then I'll Instagram live yeah, it. Noelle's actually going to help you guys. I need that. I need that many friends in Uganda. Wait, what? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Well, that doesn't the matter. The way cut. you look, it doesn't have to make it sense. It doesn't even matter. So. Start uh, new live video. Checking connection. You are now live. But like. But like, really though? Hold on. Okay, Wait, this is give, my Instagram persona. So I go into my Instagram voice. But like, really though? Oh my God. This guy goes, hello. Hello. Wait, how do I flip it around? Hold on. On your podcast. Wait, hey guys, can't... so I'm on this podcast with Earl and we need all the comments we can get. Uh-uh. How you doing? And <laughs> here he is. He actually has a really successful podcast. Um, he's giving you the peace sign. And uh, if you have any comments for his podcast, please insert them below. Uh, excuse my outfit today. It's from Urban Outfitters. But uh, yeah, how you doing? Watch and, and perhaps be entertained. I'm going to sit closer to Earl. Yeah, yeah. And I got to pee pretty soon. Well, you can't, we can't keep pausing uh, <laughs> the... Uh... Okay, here. I don't know if it's going to work. But how you doing, guys? How do I put the flash on? Do you guys know how to put the flash on? How do I put a filter to make my face no, look I don't. better? How do I put a fucking filter on this fucking thing to make my... Uh, to make my... Oh, whatever. All right. It's you all just good. have to deal with it. Just you guys deal are just with it. You just have to fucking deal with it right now. Well, I don't think people want to see that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but then you can't read the comments. Yeah, fuck it. I don't want to read your fucking comments anyway. <laughs> so tell us, uh, how do you... You know, because comics... You know, I know comics who get booked solely on their following. Not not that they're that funny, girl yeah, or exactly. guy. That's me. Well, but you will that's get... That's me, bitch. But that shows you the craziness of this business. You will get booked a hundred times... Out of hundred. Versus me. Do you know why, though, Earl? Yeah, because you have a million followers. No, look at 6, Instagram comics today. They're fucking shit. No offense, I won't name names. But, like, when I... I got my master's degree in writing from UCLA, and I was working at this app company making no money and no fucking money. And a year and a half ago, this fucking idiot kid goes to me, Noel, you can't get a million followers if you fucking tried. And I sold this app, thank God, that I made to this other guy. I won't name his name because it didn't do very well, but I still sold it. And he goes, and he gave me a check and I was like, fucking, I can afford to quit your this fucking company I'm working for you. If you work for a bad boss and you're just like, fuck you. Well, I got that ultimate fuck you. I was like, fuck you. I'm going to get a million fucking followers. I just got a big paycheck. Fuck you. I've been working for you for like three years and you're a fucking dick, you know? And so I went and I like sold my this fucking app algorithm and I went and I sat at 1600 Vine I got an apartment there like a loser and I 
that was the video village. That was where all the influencers were living. 1600 Vine, the W residencies in, in Hollywood. And every day I hired a videographer. I paid him and I filmed the shit out of everything I did every day. And eventually three months later, they're like, oh, her videos are trending. I have no idea why I got lucky. Probably the tits I, I can think of two reasons. Yeah, why. yeah, probably. And, um, and I was getting four to six million views per video. Uh, and everyone at that at that fucking building started hating me because even people that work been working on Instagram for two to three years were like, why the fuck is this chick getting more views than I am? Cause I was trending. So I got like death beans on my doorstep, like Fabi beans. And I found out who it was. I won't name names, but so I moved out of there really quick, but right before I got a million followers, I moved out and I still got a million shortly thereafter, but I could have gotten like 5 million if I kept doing it. But I went into this writing program instead. Cause I was kind of like getting like insecure about it. Cause these girls in social media hated me and I won't name names, but I was getting more views than them. You mean comics or just no influencers? Cause they'd been doing it for six years to get to that level. And I got it like that. And they were like, who the fuck is this chick? You know, I do know. And so I moved out and I did this writing program in New York. Um, and I sold a show and, and you know, so now I'm just, I'm just doing it for fun. But I was really in it for like five months. I was like, I'm going to get a fucking million followers. Right. Right. quick, Cause of my ex boss, <laughs> you always need that inciting incident. Right. And even in a script, even in a screenplay, there's like the inciting incident or the main character like has to get a mission accomplished. <laughs> I've had that happen with a certain television network. It's funny how things motivate you, but like, well, so what is your advice for, let's just say a dude like myself, I have 6,700 oh. followers. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not saying I necessarily want a million, but like, how, how can I pump up? This the, is the biggest problem. Real followers. I'll tell you exactly. Cause I actually worked for several companies to help them with their following successfully. Um, and I feel like, you know, this instinctively, but you have to have original content you have to post videos of your comic of your comedy and do sketches and post examples of how you're funny. If you post your comedy store lineup or people on your podcast without a clip of your podcast, no right. one's going to want to follow you. If you post a clip of your podcast or a clip of videos from you at the comedy store or a clip of this or a clip of that videos that people can watch and get entertained. Cause they're not going to be able to come watch you at the comedy store. They're not going to be able to do anything like they live in middle America. You post a video of your comedy shit that they can watch something entertaining, a, a, a clip that's maybe animated from your podcast. Like Joe Rogan does like his animation experience, the Jerry animation, like a clip from your podcast, a clip from your comedy, a clip from everything. It becomes a channel where people can consume your comedy versus a channel where you promote somewhere that they have to go to that they're never gonna be able to go to. Do you get what well, I'm saying? I, I do actually. And a lot of comics do that. Actually, a lot of comics are like, why the fuck don't I have any followers? Hey, because you post a photo and you post the, the ad of where you're going to be performing. No one can fucking get there in middle America. Post a fucking comic clip of, of your performance, post a, a strip of your podcast, post every day, some comedy joke, like, then you'll get the fault. You know what I mean? Where they can they can tune into your channel as if it's like a TV show that they can watch. You know what I mean? I get it. Post a little comment every day on something that's in the news, like that we can watch and like become entertained by without having to go to your show. You know? 
What about hashtags and stuff like that? Oh, well, Instagram changed their algorithm. So before it was really easy to get on the suggested page. But now I think it's all about collaborating. So if you have like people that have big following. Like you. Yeah, that you can collaborate with. It's better because before the hashtags were easy to get on the explore page. And now Instagram changed their fucking algorithm. And it's not so easy to get discovered. Right. Why did they change their algorithm? Because they want um, businesses to pay for views and revenues and people as well. So they realized, oh, these girls are like myself or whatever, getting so many followers and they're making so much fucking money off of our venue. Let's pay. Let's make businesses pay for the following. Let's make people. Let's make it harder for them to get followers. You so, know. So you can pay Instagram directly for like for advertising, yeah. For bump. And it's not worth it. Oh, wait. I mean, it is. <laughs> I love you, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you're killing it on Instagram. Now, how come you aren't on Twitter? Like, I'm always fascinated by why certain people chose. Well, Twitter is like an older platform, right? I don't know what you guys think. I'm going to read your comments. I'm going to say this Instagram live stream. Um, but like, it only says 168 views to watch. It'll be like 7,000 per hour. It says per minute, 198. Hold on. Can I end this and redo it? I want to see how many people are tuning in. Sure. Yeah, you can end it. And so... Uh, like face. I got 3,600 viewers in five minutes. That's pretty good. So I'm going to redo it again. But you see, it's 109, uh, 200 per minute new viewers. So like Facebook's a dying art, right? Yeah. I'm going to redo it. But you saw. It's 108 per view. It's, uh, it's okay. I mean that. Wait, hold on. Can I post a video really quick and say I'm going live? Sure. No, I mean, you. I mean, I don't know how this is going to come out during. Hey, who gives a shit? But listen, the fact is that I'm not a pro. I'm just saying what I think is true. I don't fucking know. Instagram is the um, Illuminati of life. They control our lives and they can do whatever the fuck they want. I don't, I can tell you what to do, but you, it doesn't matter. Okay, ready? Yes. Hold on. Takes out, dicks out. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, my, yeah. I'm... Hey guys, so I'm going live right now with. Earl Skakel. And he has a really famous podcast. And tune in right now. Right now. And we'll take some of your comments at the end of the podcast. Bye. This is like being at college right now for me. Wait, hold on. By the way, social media is very much like college. I And also, uh, Seth Rogen said that. He said on this uh, interview, with, I think it was. He voted for me in Roast Battle. Really? He liked my uh, style. Really? The, the network didn't, but Seth Rogen I'm did. jealous. So Seth Rogen said this on an interview. I think it was with, um, I don't remember what it was. But uh, he said that when he, he became famous at a very young age, and he felt like when he moved to life from high school and became so famous so young, it was like high school. And that's how he was able to like uh, make it because he had this like uh, high school mentality still. And LA is just about clicks and cliches and so social media. Yeah, I mean, it's social media is all about uh, marketing uh, to a group of people who are going to dig your stuff. Like, you know, I... My fan base is metalheads, hockey fans, you know, comedy fans. I love metal. So, yeah, because you don't look like a stereotypical metalhead, uh, metal but, but you like like kissing stuff. Oh, I love kissing ACDC and Nirvana. Today I ran six miles to Nirvana. I'm not even kidding. On the same song every day. On the same fucking song. Like, uh, come as you are, no. as you are. And I was running down the hill with my, like, pink, like, T-shirt and my, like, 
you know, Nikes and whatever. And like, I was blasting like smells like teen spirit at the end. And this guy looked at me like, what the fuck is she listening to? She does not look like she'd be listening to that song. What got you into Kiss? Because you, you're definitely not the age demographic that uh, probably 80%. My, my dad liked Kiss. Oh, okay. Yeah. How old is your dad? He's 56. Oh my God, that's so old. No, I'm just kidding. And my mom, but my mom's sitting at 25 year old. What's the, uh, what's your My parents thoughts? are kind of young. Uh, it, wait, so how old's your mom? My mom is 54 and my dad's 56. Okay, well, I mean, I've dated a girl 27 years younger than me. Wow, Earl, good for you. I mean, you know, it just happened uh, once again through the lovely world of roast battle. It just all worlds. Wait, was she like, how you doing? You want to roast my pussy? And you're like, yeah. Um, I mean, not, uh, I mean, something like that. I, I don't know if it was exactly like that, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm surprised you haven't done a roast battle. I did. I w okay. So again, I'm really insecure when it comes to, uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> when it comes to planning shit, aside from like my writing stuff that I can prep for. Right. But comedy stuff, like even when I do stand up at like big venues, I'm like, hey, I'll just go on this night and I go on because like I get super nervous about live audiences, like a video. I'll get like 10 million views and I won't care. But live audiences I get nervous about. Right. So roast battle. I was on like three times with Jeff Ross. And one of the times you saw me with Chappelle. I, granted, I bombed, but the other time you I did, I did well the, the second time. You didn't see that one the second time, but I did well the second time. But like, I get nervous and uh, I get fucking, what were we talking about? I get fucking freaked we're out. We're talking about roast battle, live roast comedy. Roast battle, I love, but you know, I don't really like roast battles. To be honest, I hate roasting people. Uh, well, you definitely have to have a... Um, I hate making fun of people because I'm so insecure. If they make fun of me back, I'll just cry in the corner. I mean, it's you definitely have to have a thick skin. Uh, to no, I won't cry in the corner. I'll cry to my mom later, and she'll be like, "Noel, you're really, you're really intelligent. You're really smart. You're really funny." And I'll be like, "Mom, I know. Don't fucking tell me that. I'm just sad." She's like, "You're really smart, honey." I'm like, "I know, mother." <laughs> it's like this argument. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's uh, it's not for everyone the sense of humor that's done in roast battle, but it's certainly done a lot for me. So, really, has it? Yeah, I mean, I got on a Tyler the Creator cartoon because of it, and, uh, a Showtime show. And do you like uh, cartoons? I like the one I'm in. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm a little old to watch cartoons, to be honest with you. No, Bojack Horseman. Um, I like South Park. South Park, Bojack Horseman, and this new one. Uh, what's it fucking called on Netflix? Big Mouth. And then there's Bill Burr's and uh, Bill cartoon. Burr's cartoon, and I animate for fun. Like I'm a really good animator. I posted a couple of videos on my backup page, and um, you can get it on the link on my Instagram. But I um I will, an like the company I work for, ba Base FX, they won Emmys for Star Wars and tr Transformers animation. So I got I like love animating shit. But it's, why? What what is? Uh... I actually like had a deadline for my Netflix thing. <laughs> And I put it off for two months and I was almost fired because I was animating my sketches because I just figured out how to do it <laughs> off okay. YouTube videos. <laughs> so you're an untrained animator. I'm like a secret nerd, but I'm good at it. And I'll show it to you later. I can, if I take a photo of you, I can make it into a sketch and make you jump around and do weird shit. And like, it, it's like that, like my style is like that HBO show Animals, if you've seen it. I have not. I don't watch a lot of TV because I'm too busy doing stand up. I love animating because for one, you can just have your own world that you create 
and I'm very depressing as a person. So if I create a world for myself, I'll just live in it. Like sometimes I don't leave my house for five days if I'm animating, which is a problem I've learned to get over because I love animating that much. Why do you get depressed? I don't get depressed, but I get like in my own world, in my mind. So I'll write like scripts for like a week and not leave my house or I'll write or I'll make an animation video because I just like get too into these like, I don't know, writing and animation are like worlds that you create for yourself that don't exist. But if you, but you can feel like it's real. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the uh, making the world of make believe come to life. Yeah. And then if you have execs or people that will actually listen to it, you're like, fuck yeah, I want to show them how cool this world is that I've made. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I, uh, you know, I like more at live action, you know, Sons of Anarchy, stuff like that. My favorite show of all time is Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, I've never watched one episode. Really? Even though a lot of people think I look like the lead character. No, you don't. Walter White, you know. The, Not at all. Well, like toward the end, you know, when he was looking grizzled and stuff. <laughs> what did you like about Breaking Bad? So I read this script. It was called the, oh fuck, he's a famous fucker. If I Google it, I'll remember his name, but I'm really bad with names. He's a famous script analysis. So he does show, he writes analysis that when, that when New York Times bestselling, uh, you know, awards for his breakdowns of shows, real time right. shows. It's called Seth, fuck, I forgot his last name, but so before I watched Breaking Bad, I read a script analysis and it was on every episode of Breaking Bad and it broke it down by scene, by everything. And for some reason, I thought the formulaic element of the show was so great because it was predictable. I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm a huge math nerd, right? So I feel like script writing relates to math and that there's a formulaic element to success. If you analyze any script, any movie, there's a formula to it that you can kind of replicate and breaking bad did it so well in such a beautiful way with such creativity that yes, it was the formula to a T, but it was so fucking great. And on top of that, the creator breaking bad, he did a interview with variety magazine and he said, Hey, listen, before I sold breaking bad, I was about to sell math meth. I hadn't, he said, I hadn't sold a show in 10 years. I was broke. I'd only sold one show in my life. And this was what I fucking wanted to do. And it was, and he went into these meetings where he pitched it and like a, he didn't expect to get any fucking show and like a fuck you mentality. Cause he was so broke and so broken down. This was like his, like almost like all time existential moment. Like, fuck it. Here's Walt Whitman. You know what I mean? Right. It's like those people in their offices at like 50 years old that are still working their desk jobs in like the middle of middle America. And they're just like, fuck you. This is what I want to do. Sell some fucking math. You know what I mean? Like there, he, that's where he was. He's like, I don't even know if I'm ever going to sell a script in my life. I'm going to write a show about what I want to do. Sell some fucking math in the desert. And he went into those meetings just like that. And it's so funny because one network, I think it was AMC or something was like, we cannot buy this show, but I really like it, you know? And he was like, fuck you. Then he went to the max meeting, you know? And he finally sold after 10 years of appeasing people. I mean, you, I think if you believe in yourself or the product you've made. Or just don't give a fuck anymore. Maybe all three. <laughs> and you just, uh, you know, don't uh, listen to the rejections and just plow ahead. You can pretty much accomplish anything. What's well, like a fuck you script that you would write? Um, maybe uh, my experiences on certain TV shows, uh, you know, uh, I'd have to think about it a little more, but, uh, you know, I've had some, uh, on, uh, 
fun experiences in this business. It'd probably yeah. be about one of those. But you'd make a fake name, right? You know, I'm at the point now where I'm rogue. You know, I, I put my name on everything. He's like, I'm I'm the OG Walt Whitman. Well, yeah, I mean, I put my name on everything. If I talk shit, I, I, I say this is who I don't like. I don't, they did this to me. You know, fuck you. Uh, I don't throw out innuendos uh, or... I'm not at your level yet. Well, I mean... Uh, I got to pee really badly, by the way. Do you have a bathroom? No, I don't have a bathroom here. Uh, As I, I drink my Modelo tasting sriracha. By the way, this is called... No free advertising. This is called Chalada Modelo, and it literally tastes like the embodiment of sriracha. Yes, the only advertising I will do on Noel's Instagram is inappropriate earl on soundcloud and itunes oh yeah listen to inappropriate earl. we're only getting like 100 or 200 views per minute which is not that great but it's also friday night yeah but still like 200 views per minute come on guys okay now it's 100 you like well, yeah. well you probably have to show a little skin to get yeah whatever no shit. i'm not i'm not asking you to I'm just like saying. i just posted and i got 3,000 views a minute and now it's at 200 views a minute like you guys are not listening to what i have to say which why the fuck are you following me then right <laughs> well i mean to be honest no, i'm kidding i love you please follow me <laughs> please <laughs> i got a pee Okay, well, hold on. Let me pause the podcast again. <laughs> it's not really how I like to operate. Well, actually, keep going, and I'll just I'll keep talking, and then uh, we're at like an hour. Seven thousand views in five and a half minutes. That's pretty good. So, the bathroom's right there. I don't know if I uh, have a hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Noel's uh, peeing. This has been a wild uh, podcast. It's. I thought my interviewing style was all over the place, but uh, her uh, being interviewed is all over the place. But it's fun. You know, she's giving you uh, a look into the world of an Instagram uh, model. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys are finding this enjoyable. Um, you know, I've always wanted to talk to someone who has such a large social media presence because it's a fascinating world. Uh, you know, like I said, I just had a meeting where uh, literally the first question to me was, how many followers do you have on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? They even asked me, how many followers do I have on Vine? And I'm like, uh, I'm not on Vine. And they were like, um, oh, so, um, you know, I wanted to get a look into an influencer uh in the world of social media, which she clearly is. I so mean, in the reality, I just hijacked Earl's podcast and I have a gun to his head and to make me go on the show. You know, grab the mic. It works better if you talk into the mic, though. No, no, it's all good. You sit there. We'll do this like, you know. So in reality, I'm done live streaming, but I just, I came over to his house with a gun to his head and I said, you better fucking put me on his show. Well, I mean, show. it was wasn't that quite that aggressive but i was like you know i want to i was like put me on your show or else you and your family members are dead everyone you love or know to be true to your heart i wanted to uh <laughs> i'm really fascinated by the world of uh you know like that logan paul dude i don't even know what he's famous for this is the whole this is the whole existential dilemma of our pop culture today we don't know what anyone is famous for and real celebrities are not famous anymore we have the fucking kim kardashian and kylie jenner's of the world 
and fucking girls in Dubai with sugar daddies having 15 million followers for what? And real comics have no followers. This is the dilemma of our culture. And this is also why we have Trump as president. No offense. And this is also why we don't have real people talking about real issues. And my generation has an proven attention span of one minute, one fucking minute. We don't even pay attention to shit. It's depressing. We need to get our trending hashtags to real topics and get people to fucking read. That's what we need to do. Well, but I mean, that's uh, in some ways you and I are the perfect podcast partners because you have this massive social media following. You're new to the comedy world from the standpoint of doing it. Of course. I'm a 20 year vet with 6,700 people on Instagram. So we're like the two worlds colliding. Yeah. I just, I write about this and having to post in other venues like vocal media. Um, which I have equity and follow it vocal media. But, um, I just, I just feel like the reason why we have these dumb people as celebrities right now on social media is because there's so many big influencers that aren't really posting anything that we tune into and these dog videos, which are great. But like, if we can get trending hashtags, at least to almost 40% meaningful situations, that's why I have equity in vocal media, which you don't have to check out if you don't want to, but it's this platform where writing is a form of Instagram, right? So on this, on this company that I helped create, it's called vocalmedia.com. It's where articles that you write are newsfeed situations instead of photos. So you have to read something and give an input into it. I mean, right now, what's the biggest comment that millennials leave? Ha ha ha. LOL, JK, hashtag, whatever, right? That's not building brain cells. Every day we're depleting our brain cells. And I sound like such an, a hypocrite and I post shit every day that's depleting brain cells. But I really feel strongly about this. I know I'm like not doing anything for the, our society. I post a lot of my articles on Vocal Media and Huffington Post, but I feel like if we can just change our frame of mind from um, creating versus consuming information on a personal level, we can like raise consciousness in society and we wouldn't care as much about like myself or like Kylie Jenner. We would care more about like people like you or like intelligent comics, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the frustrating thing is like, I think people who are uh, intelligent comics are looking at their numbers, you know, 3000 followers. Or... I would be so depressed. It's it's a bummer because it's like, what do I got to do? I'm funny. I'm putting out good content. I'm I'm, be, I'm live. But I'm no good. one gives a shit. But you know, and no offense. Luckily, you have a really successful podcast, though. So that don't helps. take that for granted. That helps some of the uh, pain. But you know, I would love to have a half a million followers on Instagram. Yeah. Just that. I um I have a lot of friends that are big comics. I won't name names who have really really low followings as well. And they've been on TV shows, they're verified, and they have no followers whatsoever. And even actors who have been Sundance nominated, created Sundance films that won awards, like no followers. But yet there's a girl in Minnesota whose sugar daddy gave her like a half million dollars to help promote her page. Now she has two million followers and she's posting her tits and ass. And all the guys of our generation are programmed to like digest that information. And um it's sad, but millennials are the new wave of like what's going to trend, what shows are picked up are all picked by followers. And I was talking about this because I wrote a show with Lucas Brothers for Comedy Central and we were talking about this in our pitch. We we're like, 
not to piss them off comedy central but we're like listen guys it's an algorithm now and it's not based off real comedy it's based off of what will trend not actual comedy and we wanted to make a show that pulled back that curtain and like had an exec boardroom where like the execs were like well this didn't do so well you know um but like I don't know. It's really sad to think about that our future of comedy, even the future of shows that are picked up are based off of social media when we can change that if we just listen to real comics and not Instagram celebrities. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if that's ever going to go back to that. Like, I don't know if we'll ever see a sitcom like All in the Family, which was this amazing writing. Amazing. Instead, it's going to be like, uh, you know, reality shows. But I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it. I watch Big Brother every time it's on. I love that show. So um, the vice president of Netflix, Eric Barmack, wrote a show called the wrote a book called The Virgin. This was back in 2004 when when um, when reality TV shows were like a thing. Right. It was a spawning of reality TV shows before social media. And it was, if you guys on listening to his podcast have never read it, read The Virgin by Eric Baumek. It's He's the vice president of Netflix now and he helps spearmint, spearhead, spearmint. Spearmint. He helps spearmint. He helps spearmint. Spearmint Rhino on downtown LA. <laughs> on downtown LA, you know. No, he's helped spearhead all these huge shows internationally. He's the vice president of Netflix fucking now. So he's super successful. But before he was president of Netflix, vice president, before he did anything, he wrote this book that yeah, did okay. But I read it and it was about reality tv culture and now we're on our own reality reality stars on social media but really read it because it shows how our psyches have evolved from this seeking to digest information on reality shows and how it impacts our neurochemistry to now needing because it Really, at the end of the day, the reason why social media is popular is because our neurochemistry is programmed to share information. When we were cavemen in like the Neolithic era, we needed to share information about other people and share our experiences to evolve and survive. So it's not that we're so bad of people. It's programmed in our DNA. But reality shows were the beginning of this. And then now we're, on, we're our own reality starts trying to compete for attention spans on social media culture. And that's what's going on. It's not a bad thing it's just what's going on if we can kind of raise awareness and change that i think things can go well i mean it's not all over but my goal is to get more people to read and that's why i write articles although i know only two hundred thousand people read them so (laughs) but that's a lot for the huffington post yeah i mean two hundred thousand people read my vocal media article a couple weeks ago two weeks ago on this very topic and I don't know but you know what the execs are in control and jonas larson and um and uh, what's his face at Comedy Central? Jonas Larson and... Um, I'm out of the loop with that network. They don't like me. It's all good. We don't have to like... Well, they're... Okay, Jonas Larson and the other execs of Comedy Central are um, are actually seeking to increase programming. They've picked up two shows recently that aren't from influencers to just... comedians and they have Chappelle's new thing and other things. So we'll see what happens. I mean, all hope is not lost, but definitely in some respect, we can just cry in our bedrooms and think that life's a waste. Well, I think part of the problem also is that reality TV is so cheap to make, you know, it's like why pay, you know, me or whoever five, 10 grand a week where you can pay some idiot from Florida 
you know, 250 bucks a day to, you know, I don't know, be on Big Brother or, you know, the floor of Bama Shore. I mean, that show makes a lot of money for MTV and none of those people are getting paid that much. Oh, Kent Alterman. So Kent Altman and Jonas Larson has, have spearheaded at Comedy Central new programming for lesser comedians that don't have big followings but are hilarious. So well, that's I, me. I appreciate that. No, I, I so do I. Believe me. Maybe I could get back in the Comedy Central uh, family. You but know. this is what's so fucking crazy, right? My my family has their PhDs. My co- they write books. My cousin is an exec. It, she's not exec. She's high up at... She works at Washington, D.C., right? And the fact of the matter is that I feel like, honestly, not to get too essential, but I feel like popular culture influences our next election and our, our cultural consciousness more than anything else. So we say this whimsically, like, oh, the exact Comedy Central, oh, social media. But in reality, we spend more time on Instagram and other apps than we do ingesting news articles every day. So this is a really important subject to talk about. You know, but I mean, nowadays, I think that's where people get their news is uh, not watching the CBS nightly news with no. some 60 year old anchor. They want to watch a video with you and it with your tits popping out, talking about Trump or joking about it. And millennials are a new generation. Right. And the sad thing is that 75 percent of their days are spent on social media culture. They say that I forgot what the statistics was. But it was like. It was like 45 seconds out of every 30 minutes people are on their phones, which means like that adds up to a, like throughout the day. That's what they're focusing on. Like when they wake up, they check their phones and they go to see the check of phones. They don't watch the news. They don't listen to NPR. They look at Instagram dog videos and my comedy sketches. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, what the fuck is going on in our society to where we have Trump as president? No offense. Okay. I'm not going to alienate my viewers. I don't mean to say that, but. Well, I don't think people, uh, your viewers, I'm guessing it's... They don't really care. I'm guessing they're not mostly, but they're probably more male than female. I mean, I know you probably... I have a 75% male male following. So I don't think they really care if you voted for Trump or didn't vote. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary either. I didn't like her. I liked Bernie Sanders, but I'm not a... Like, I'm not... Like... (laughs) I, I, I loved Karl Marx, you know, in school growing up, but I'm not a communist. I'm not a socialist. I, I didn't really side with any of the political parties. Um, I just, I just think that we just need to become more informed and have more intelligent conversations and maybe give other comics a try that don't have such as big of a following. I think we're very obsessed as we all always have been, it's been programmed since we were cavemen to follow the herd, to follow what's being talked about, to have this discussion about other people. It's programmed in our DNA. And so we watched TMZ even before social media was a thing, you know, but we need to kind of break out of the herd and pay attention to other lesser known comics. Well, I think uh, the shows would definitely be better on television. I mean, if you look at, you know, just for example, uh, Roast Battle, was pretty much started with 98% of us were all unknown comics. And only Jeff Ross only has 158,000 followers. No, he's got like, he's killing it. He's got like, he's got a lot of followers. No, Jeff I Ross mean, has 150,000 followers. But I mean, like, so that's someone like Jeff and like, uh, but Jeff was like the only famous comic attached to Roast Battle. I went to the Grove with Jeff the other day and I got recognized more than he did. And he's a really famous comedian. And that was what was sad for me. He has 156,000 followers and we went to the Grove and I got recognized nonstop and he did not. And that was like, what the fuck? This is Jeff fucking Ross. Well, I just went on that video we made 
Uh, and here's this. I want you to know it, Noel. This is the type of comments she deals with. Uh, I don't want to give the guy's name. No, keep going. But no, I don't want to promote. No, his. let's do it. Come on. Who gives a shit? Come on. I'm not a fucking pussy. Listen, I tell this every day. I'm used to it. So Bring this is it. from uh, the goddamn artist. It's the fourth comment. Here's a feedback for you. Please flash some boobies in the morning. Goddamn it. <laughs> Stop making this kind of pep talk shit in the morning. We don't deserve it. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, he hey. kind of seems to be insulting himself at the end of the day. No, it's fine. Keep going. Next comment. And while you're doing, uh, well, now you've got just a bunch of people trying to be the first comment. Like well, uh, they're just putting numbers as to what comment they were. So it's a fascinating insight to your fan base. Oh, no, no. If you look at my comments, most of them are like, show some tits. We don't like this video because there's no tits. But yeah, they see, keep following and half the time I, like I actually never show my tits. So it's like funny. But uh, I think it's funny. Listen, whatever. If yeah. they get any sort of insight from anything at the end of the day, I'm happy. But I don't give a shit, to be, to be fucking honest. Well, I think, the, you know, the one thing I want people to get out of this podcast is, oh, she's not just some bimbo. <laughs> I mean, you could play that part, you know, but like you've actually. I don't, but who gives a shit about me? I want to talk about the bigger cultural situation in general, which is the situation of social media dominating our our consciousness and taking over our mind. Cause it's a real, but you're addiction. making a living off of it's it. It's a real addiction. It's a real addiction. It's, they showed that my, Mark Zuckerberg and the Twitter founders knew that if they make it like a slot machine to postpone the, the notifications, it would be like a reward system in your brain. They, they programmed it that way for us to, for us to become addicted to social media. And that's where we are that way. And we, it's not our fault. We just need to become more aware of it and follow more important people. And I like to post with that constantly that we need to raise our consciousness. I posted an NPR article the other day that got 130,000 clicks to that article. It was called the pattern problem on invisibility of this podcast. I mean, and that was an accomplishment for me more than any of my 15 million views on my videos. Cause it was an amazing article from NPR, you know? Right. And that's not necessarily your fan base is people who are No, but it was a great article. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was. Uh, but like I'm just saying, the people who listen to NPR probably aren't people trolling Instagram for tit pics. But listen, these millennials are going to be, our, they're not addicted to Adderall. They're addicted to these substances. 99.9% .9 of my friends. Okay, that's a false statistic. I probably just made that up. But like all my friends that are younger than me are addicted to Adderall, are addicted to cocaine, are addicted to these substances that try to like make them better and better and better. And they're not analyzing society. They're on Instagram, scrolling through pics, going through pics, posting, posting. This is FOMO culture. This FOMO culture, trying to get ahead, trying What's to take FOMO? Adderall. Fear of missing out. They're trying to take Adderall. They're trying to get ahead. They're scared of shit. They're broke. They're giving their parents money. Like it's not a healthy society. All my friends. And there's research that backs this, right? This is my generation. You know, my generation is addicted to Adderall, whereas your generation was addicted to drugs to tune out of society. Right. Your gen your generation was addicted to drugs like weed or LSD. LSD. And my generation is addicted to Adderall. It's true. Adderall versus LSD. My generation now, the millennials are trying to tune hardcore in so much because they feel so, 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 so out of the loop because of this FOMO, this fear of missing out from social media culture. Whereas your generation was trying to tune out. So it's this very antithesis of generations right now. Well, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, in the 70s and I think in the 70s, people were trying to tune out the Vietnam War. 
Yeah. You know, LSD, weed, I think in the 80s with the uh, advent of like uh, bands like Rat and Motley Crue. It was like, let's party and do blow. Uh, in the 90s, it was, you know, kind of at least when grunge came about was depression. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know Bon Jovi sucks. I, I want to kill myself. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, and then you had boy bands kind of pep it up a bit. And and then now my generation is just addicted to Adderall. There's uh, I think I, there's a study because I wrote about this in this article the other day. I think it was for the LA Times. I quoted that it was like 1.4 million more people per year are diagnosed with ADHD from the age of seven than past generations. And everyone in college is abusing Adderall. Like 70% of them don't have a prescription. Like it's just a rampant. They're tr my generation is trying to tune into life because they feel not good enough. Whereas your generation was trying to tune out. And I think it's because of social media. And I think that's also why we like to digest these mindless videos online is because we, we just don't know what the fuck is going on. I feel like that's what my culture is. It's just like weird, weird situation. I feel like you guys are smarter than us. Like I used to watch friends in Seinfeld and it was real comedy. And now it's like comedy central and these networks are like determining comedy by ratings. And that's what Lucas Boys and I wrote this show, which I don't know if we picked up, but it was about how comedy is determined by ratings right now, not actual comedy. Well, yeah, it's, uh, and I think how cheaply something can be made. I think yeah. that's a huge uh, consideration. But um, if you look at stand-up comedy versus Instagram sketches, right? What have you seen? I mean, on Instagram sketches, I just, uh, none of them really make me laugh, to be honest. No, even the biggest ones with 15 million views. It's tits, it's... Uh, and that's why I went to this retreat in town last year because I was so depressed that I hated my own Instagram sketches that got millions of views. I was like, I just did this to sell out. I wanted to write an actual show that meant something. I was so depressed with myself because it's all tits and ass and it's the same fucking shit, you know? But I mean, I don't uh, have any, any problem with people like you who sell out. Yeah, Because thank you. Uh, at the end of the day, we're trying to make money in this business. I know, and that's why I did it. Thank you very much. Follow my Instagram at Noelle on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's uh, Noel. that's N-O-E-L-L-E-O-N-I-N-S-T-A, Noel on Insta. And uh, I no don't, I can't tell if it's... Um, I can't tell if we've really just given up in society because we have, you know, political situation. I, I don't know what your followers are. I mean, yeah, we talk about everything. On I don't podcast. I can't tell if people have just given up in society because Trump is president. And they're just like, fuck it. Let's watch dog videos and stupid Instagram videos every day. Or if it's just a lack of substantive content that are getting put on the suggested page, which might be Instagram's fault. I just... If I were to own Instagram, I would put like fucking political issues in Uganda or like, you know, the Darfur Refugee Act, like, you know, like situations of like the UN or like on the trending page. They have a very great control. And it's funny because the Facebook owners got in trouble for, for letting Trump you know, the Russians. for letting the Russians, not Trump, I won't say who, but you know, influence shit because they were getting paid off. They were like, oh, I didn't know anything. But Instagram's the same shit. They just put the same fucking people in the search. They really gave a shit about trending shit versus money making shit. 
if I own Instagram, if you own Instagram, it would be a different fucking story and our consciousness as a culture would be changed. And I think we need to take it into our own hands versus letting the suggestive page control us, which I fall victim to that as well. I post my tits out every day and I look up dog videos for six hours straight at night when I can't fall asleep, you know? But if, imagine if we like had on our suggested page, like some real issue that we can always, that we can also take, take, take an opinion on, you know? That's probably not going to happen. No, I know it's never going to fucking happen. I mean, no one's going to choose. Is this the most depressing podcast? No, but people like they they dig it. Like they want, they want real talk, you know? I mean, uh, but real talk. Nobody is going to care about the issues in Uganda when they can stare at your tits. But real talk, like I'll tell you. That's real talk. Real talk, I'll just tell you straight up, like as someone with tits that doesn't give a shit. Last year, I went to a silent meditation retreat for a year, or sorry, for a month straight and did not talk. I went to Thailand because I was having this existential crisis of of like, what is life? I know I can keep posting videos and get like 5 million followers showing my tits, but I love people and I love political shit. I love politics and I felt very vacuous in my own self-representation. So I feel like if people can just psychoanalyze themselves to what they're consuming, we can all move past this whole tits obsession. Yeah, go watch some porn. That's not happening. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. What do you suggest, Earl? You're you're probably smarter than I am about this. No, I'm probably not. Uh you know, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I just think you should you know, try and be as funny as you can or put out the best product as you can. But that's just not how this business works. If that was the case, I'd been famous five years ago. I think that, I think that, um, I kind of disagree with what you just said. I think that, yes, you're right. But I think that it takes certain influencers who can combine together to make quality content in a meaningful way that will start a trend of what's, but in a viral way. And that hasn't happened yet. It's my fault. I haven't done it yet. I have, I have friends who have their master's degrees of, as well who are influencers and they, they're like, no, I don't know how to, I don't want to lose the sponsorships. Yeah. You I know, mean, it's all about getting, uh, you know, and guys as well. Listen, I have straight guys who have all gay followers and, and they're like, fuck it. I put my abs out every day and I get DMS every day from like, gay guys that are showing me their dicks yeah i mean i i I show skin when i have to you know just but comedy what is comedy in its essence right it's the ability to make people laugh it's the ability to make people laugh but it's also it's also i feel like the point of comedy is to draw light on difficult situations in order to make people think in a funny way do you know what i mean it could be that too yeah I mean, making humor out of even the darkest times like in SNL. your life. There's these sketches on SNL that I loved. I haven't up. watched SNL since they fired Norm Macdonald. Yeah, because it was, it's not good now. I mean, I, mean, I haven't watched it. I'm friends with Shay. He writes for SNL. It's good now in certain respects. But I'm just saying like, Shay's awesome. His comedy's awesome on SNL. But the old SNL writers were amazing too. Uh, so like, but like they drew light on fucking terrible situations in life fucking political shit that made people think in a non-partisan way and i feel like that's the point of comedy right make people laugh and think about shit without telling them what to what to think you know i mean i think you just have to concentrate going back to your question a few moments ago you've got to find your fan base yeah and you market to them what they think is funny 
and you you just try and find as many people like that as you can. Like your fan base is probably primarily male, probably anywhere from the age of you know fifteen to you know fifty. Uh, you know what are people in that age range like? But you're when like, you're like ninety, what do you want to have accomplished, Cheryl? To be one of the best stand ups ever. The best stand ups. One of the. I mean, you know, I mean, but stand up is also a very subjective. Uh, you know, feel to critique. You Have know. you ever written anything, any scripts or anything? I'm a good secondary idea guy. No, I have not uh, written uh, a full script on my own because I. So when you do stand up, what gets you off? Uh, the laughter. It's powerful. Do you ever live stream your stand up? Um, not really. Uh, but, you know, after listening to you, I might start putting out a few more videos like that. You know, maybe the first two, three minutes of a set. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you're not allowed to, but you can secretly film it like I do. Oh yeah, I mean you can. Uh, I mean, but I think I'm so well liked. Uh, you know, I, I could get away with filming wherever. But uh, I love comedy, though. It's it's just like it's something to do. There's so much shitty news, right? Let's let's put aside all this like Instagram shit, all this millennial shit. There's so much shitty shit going on in the world, like. Comedy is what makes life worthwhile. Making fun of yourself, of shit, of everything. like, And you do a great job of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I want people to go, that guy's different. He's different looking. He's wearing leather pants and a leather jacket or whatever. You know, that sucks the men to go, okay, this guy's not dressed like anyone else. And then because of my slower delivery style, I think people... Okay, well, listen. Are to you this on guy. the spectrum? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I might be. Who knows? I mean, uh, <laughs> wait, I Google. Wait, I Google searched myself the other day because my mom was like, "You're not acting normal." But I was like, "Mom, I'm fucking normal." She's like, "You're not," because my mom's Italian, like obsessive, right? And I go, and I was like, "Mom, I'm not on the spectrum." She's like, "Wait, hold on." And then two days later, Eric Bermack, the VP of Netflix, goes, "Are you on the spectrum?" I was like, "No, I'm not." I Google tested myself, but he's like. Cause you're really fucking weird. Cause I am weird sometimes and I don't mean to be, do you know what I mean? I feel like we all have our own weird fucking quirks, but we like to like categorize it. We over medicate our society and over like judge, you know, situations. Well, I mean, what's weird? Like my weird is might be normal to you and vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. You know, so, well, Noel, this has been, this has been a really depressing conversation. I just depressed your whole audience when it could have been like a lot of tits and ass. Well, we'll take one picture like that just to, you know. All right. We'll take a dig pic situation. Well, we're not going to. I mean, I can. No, but I really want your audience to weigh in. So if they can like comment on like their experiences with this, I feel like that'd be great because like, yeah, this wasn't the most exciting podcast of all time. Thanks. And I controlled the conversation. He's fucking annoyed. But I feel like if we can just get some sort of insight into this conversation as to how we can change the society in social media, it could be great. I would take the opinions and I would put, I would implement it immediately. I, I want some suggestions. But that's what people want, though. They don't. They've already known my story. They know all the stories. They know all the when I started comedy. They wanted to hear from you, which is why I let you dominate. And I want to hear from them because I need I need some help on this situation and yeah. this area of of bringing light to real topics in social media. So where uh, people can find you on Instagram, anywhere else? Noelle on Insta, Noelle on Facebook, <laughs> and Noelle on YouTube. That's Leon, like. N-O-E-L-L-E-O-N, YouTube, N-O-E-L-L-E-O-N, Facebook, N-O-E-L-L-E-O-N, 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 Insta. 
and uh, give me some really good feedback like critique i love constructive criticism yeah. onto how we can raise our consciousness in society and i know i'm all tits and ass but i really want to uh I really want your opinion because I feel like Earl's audience is a very informed type of audience. You know, I have a, I have a very interesting cross section of fans from people who probably just stare at every picture of yours on Instagram to people who, you know, I have a gay fan base who probably won't care about the size of your tits. Well, I'm LGBT. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, you lean more, you're bisexual. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and then I have, you know, obviously a female fan base who's, you know. Who just wants to suck your dick. I mean, I don't know if there's like a ton of them. But He's like, like, I only sent out like 10 dick pics. I only have one. <laughs> How about this? I'll make you a deal. I made a dick collage of Trump. Yeah, make, you make me a deal. Make you a deal. I've done this to one other person. The great Stephen Garino from I'm Dying Up Here. Very, very funny. Uh, this was the least funny podcast okay but this is gonna this is a good way to end it okay end it and fucking end it (laughs) i show you my dick pic okay and you give me an can't respectful you know i love you to death yeah 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 well i don't know you have a bejazzled fucking mic so i don't know how i feel about you no this is uh the only sponsor of inappropriate or (laughs) mike knuckles i thought it was the the vagina bejazzled so this is a it's been a very depressing podcast uh, but it's real. Hold on, I'll give it to you in a second. Give me your fucking thing. So, uh, and I give give me your honest uh feedback here. Okay. You know we're friends, so it's not like I'm trying to get it in. You know we're just homies. And can I can I just note the anime poster behind you really quick? That's a Vince Neil, the singer from Motley Crue. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'm sure. Oh, how you doing? Wait, hold on. I'm showing Noelle my dick pic. I I don't notice the dick. I do notice the abs, though, and there's a very fine definition there. You don't notice the dick? <laughs> what are you talking Wait, about? Wait, hold on. This takes a lot of balls, figuratively and liberty, literally. Five stars is my Uber rating of the situation. Thank you. So, you know, that's the... <laughs> on se- that note... <laughs> yeah, yeah. On that note, we're going to... Uh, I'll show the- my dick pic later. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, it, it is West Hollywood... Uh, you could tell me your measurements would be a 36, 24, 36, nine and a half. Uh, I wouldn't be blown out of the water. And to hear more depressing news, follow my Instagram. Yeah, follow uh, Noelle on Or Instagram. send me a really great dick pic. Don't send her dick pics. Please, please send me a dick pic. I don't right. get any action right now. Well, that's okay. Well, I scare off all my Tinder dates. So go on Instagram, DM her, I guess. Is, the, is that the right? With a really nice dick pic and some constructive criticism. Oh my God, you're asking my fan base to send you dick pics. But it's only a right thing. Maybe a drone dick pic. Whatever you want to do. Uh, Noelle, thank you very much for doing this. This has been inappropriate, Earl. SoundCloud night. Fucking inappropriate. Inappropriate, Earl. SoundCloud night tunes. This will be out uh, tomorrow. And uh, Noelle's the best. You could see her at the comedy store, Laugh Factory, the improv. Or you can stalk me. My address is. Okay. Um. Well, I'm sure you're gonna it's go not on. Two three two on it. Gonna go on her Instagram and uh, come to know, my house anytime. She likes to come to. Ro- I'm not telling you where she's gonna be, but she does like to come to roast battle on Tuesday nights. At my the mom's store. address is two four two. All right, guys. Thank you very much for the love and support. Uh, where I think we're number six today on iTunes. 
please leave a review. It helps. If I show my tits, please make us number one. Well, we'll we'll do that for the cover pick. You don't have to like show them completely, but like you know, sex sells. How you doing? I mean, like you're too young to to remember this era, but you know, all the '80s metal videos had a girl with big tits. Okay, so stay tuned for the. For the cover. It's going to be a great cover pick. A lot of tits. A lot of tits. A lot of dicks and tits. Inappropriate Earl. Number one.